On this week's show, we talk about that Super Bowl 55 game, the commercials that surrounded it, and we also have some other hardware to hand out from the last week of the NFL. In our two-minute history lesson, we celebrate Black History Month with a profile of Hall of Fame running back and NFL pioneer Bill Willis. That and much more this week in the world of football. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 183 for February 9th, 2021. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table from me is my son, Adam. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> Unlike those Super Bowl commercials that apparently didn't show up this year. Yeah, uh, another year of crappy commercials, but we'll get into that in a bit. We come to you each week from the World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. From the NFL to the CFL to the XFL, college, high school, and indoor football and arena football, we inform and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So let's review the one game that happened in the world of football last week, starting with Adam and the world of football scoreboard. Oh, of course. It's the one little game that everybody gathers around the TV and watches every year called the Superb Owl, (laughs) the 55th edition. Uh, We all know what we're talking about. Come on. Everybody (laughs) watched it. Tampa Bay defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9. This game was not even close for most of it. Kansas City... Uh, was down 21-6 at halftime, and Tampa Bay just wouldn't let him do anything. Yeah, I was a little surprised, but we kind of figured, you know, it could have been anybody's game, and Tampa Bay showed they wanted it more, apparently. Yeah, well, you know, look at what Tampa Bay did in the playoffs this year. They won three games on the road yep. and then hosted it at their home stadium, and the stars just lined up this year. It's, it was pretty much a movie. First, you got to go way back to the offseason. When Tom Brady signed with Tampa, we were just like, interesting choice like they could be a team on the rise but i don't think they amount to anything this year then of course they get rob gunkowski they get leonard uh leonard fournette then they go and get antonio brown so a few of these little itty bitty pieces which weren't so itty bitty but that didn't really do much during the regular season like you you didn't hear like you knew they were on the team but they didn't amount to anything but boy did they all come up big in the playoff run and then in the Super Bowl, shoot, Rob Gronkowski had two touchdown catches. Antonio Brown caught a touchdown catch. Leonard Fournette, I believe, ran for a touchdown. So all those guys that were big signings all had impacts during this game. And, of course, Tom Brady did yeah. Tom Brady things. And, sure, let's just get into it. Seventh Super Bowl for Tom Brady. He has more Super Bowl titles than every franchise in the NFL. This dude, yeah. I know you hate to hear it because you told me to shut I'm, up during the game. I'm not a Brady fan. But the, he's the, he is now the greatest of all time if he wasn't already. Ten Super Bowl appearances, seven Super Bowl wins. He's taken two teams to the Super Bowl. Two different teams. One MVP for those Super Bowls with two different teams. Yep. AFC and NFC. He's pretty much done it all. Yeah. All he, The only thing he has left to accomplish is winning uh, three Super Bowls in a row. And then <laughs> he could probably call it quits. Yeah. But he did, like, you know, got to also acknowledge on the run he beat – uh, Aaron Rodgers, he beat Drew Brees, and he beat Patrick Mahomes back to back to back, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, not in that order, obviously, because he beat Drew Brees first. But God, you got to give them credit. I know you can't put it all on Tom Brady, but he's 
pretty much the glue that held everything together. Well, when you add all those pieces together, you know, Tom Brady by himself on that team, maybe not have won, but when they added Gronkowski, when they added Fournette, when they added um, Antonio Brown, you know, those just added to it. So there were a lot of additions that, um, besides Tom Brady, that made that team really good. And you know what nobody else is talking about? Well, actually, I think some people are talking about it, but we haven't mentioned that defense of theirs. They had yeah. an Indomitian Sioux on the yeah. front line. They had Jason Pierre-Paul. You had a bunch of talented corners. I think a rookie that had a big year this year who, whose name has come up. I can't remember all their names. There's a lot of good guys on the Tampa defense led by Todd Bowles, who was getting head coaching looks, but a team like the Detroit Lions, are they regretting not maybe going after Todd Bowles after seeing what that Tampa defense did mm. to an uh, explosive offense like uh, Tom Brady? Or not to Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean... And on the other side of the ball, you got Patrick Mahomes, who he made seven of the greatest throws you'll ever see in history. It's just and most the receivers were incomplete. Well, no, all of them <laughs> were incomplete, them. but the receivers just couldn't get their hands yeah. on it. Even though he, yep. Mahomes put it where they could get it, the guys yep. just couldn't. Or the know. defender was right there to knock it away or as that. the receiver got his hands on it. So, but yeah, they nobody gave Mahomes some help. Whether or not you want to use the excuse that he was injured, and I, I believe I saw that he's actually going to go get surgery on that toe finally. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that the Kansas City offensive line could not stop the Tampa Bay defensive line, he was just chased everywhere. I, I think I saw or, or I heard that he had 400 yards running backwards in that game. That's uh, not I, I think that was on Good Morning Football. That, huh. that, that, that was an actual stat, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's first bunch I've heard of nerds. Of it. Get a but, life. But, but, yeah, I mean, he, he ran backwards no, we, quite we a bit. We made note of that during the game. Like, why does he keep – like, I get why he does it sometimes, but like, it was like every time pretty much for several plays in a row, you're like, dang, he just, he's running backwards every time just to make something happen. And yeah. it was just – it was tough to watch. Uh, you know, it was a very one-sided game. I mean, Kansas City went out and kicked the field goal one of those first couple of drives, and you're right. like, okay. So, Took a 3 nothing lead. So we figured it was going to be a, a knock-em-out, drag-em-out fight, but it was yep. essentially Tampa Bay that finally said, oh, it'll be knock-em-out, drag-em-out, all right, and then Tampa just kind of grinded out of the yeah. win. Only three field goals for Kansas City, not even a touchdown for Mahomes. Yeah, and we, I think I told you during the game, the last time Patrick Mahomes was held without a touchdown for himself personally was against the Detroit Lions <laughs> last season. That, that Detroit scary Matt Patricia that game. defense. <laughs> Which, of course, Matt Patricia is no longer around. Right. But so, I mean, you, you kind of feel for Patrick Mahomes. We're all we're all pulling for him, I think. But yeah, you and I both picked him. In yeah. The, so obviously, we we're wrong about our picks. Yep. Uh, the last pick of the year, we were both wrong. But Tampa Bay getting their second Super Bowl in team history. Uh, Tom Brady winning his fifth Super Bowl MVP award. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious! I mean. The game, we could say, like, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, of course you're happy. If you're a regular fan who kind of just wanted a good game and maybe see Kansas City win, it wasn't that great. No. Uh, you, I don't want to hear nobody say this is the greatest Super Bowl of all time because obviously no. it's not. No, it wasn't. Uh, it, was, it was just one-sided, but Tampa looked great. And, I'm hey, I'm happy they were at least wearing those uniforms they were wearing instead of those ugly ones they've been rocking the last five years prior to this year when yeah. they went back to their retro look. Well, yeah. retro as in early 2000s when they won their last Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, I think you saw a picture on uh, uh, either Facebook or Twitter where it showed the throwback helmets, you know, and you said that's the matchup we should oh, have yeah. is the old, you know, uh, the the Buccaneer head. The creamsicle. Uh, hel- yeah, yeah. That helmet against the old Kansas City look. Uh, that would have been an awesome Super Bowl uh, look, you know, a couple of retro looks. But. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that they can't do something like that for the Super Bowl. Get some nice retro uniforms yeah. going. And Maybe in a few years they'll come maybe. to their senses. But, yeah, it was 
it seemed early on that it was going to be a close game. I mean, it looked like it. It was only it was only seven to three at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, uh, everybody made a big deal about Tom Brady getting his first first quarter touchdown in a Super Bowl. Right, never happened when he was with uh, New England. So whatever, there's that. But it did look like hey, it was going to be a bit of a struggle for both teams there. Like both those defenses were looking pretty good for a while, but eventually, Tampa just figured it out. They figured out how to get guys open, and Rob Gronkowski just you know was hard to stop they find an antonio brown in the end zone and then is this the elephant in the room are we going to talk about the officiating like did you think it was a fair officiated game or do you think it's, it was one-sided i really thought like they were uh calling way too many penalties on kansas city myself some of those i mean were they penalties maybe so but you know it was pretty pretty iffy i mean that sort of stuff's going on all game long but they decided they were going to call it against kansas city i thought the officiating was not that fair uh for kansas city but it was like a stretch in the in the second or third quarter that it just seemed like they couldn't do anything kansas city whatever they did they were getting a penalty right which kept the ball alive and and kept the buccaneers moving and finally scoring and and all that well while i would have liked to have seen the officiate you know the officials Kind of keep some of those flags in their pockets, like, hey, just let them play. Yeah. Like, it's the Super Bowl. You yes. got I mean, you're going to have receivers and, and defensive backs maybe grabbing at each other. There were a couple times I was like, eh, I don't think that's a penalty. Or when you think it'd be a penalty or a very obvious one, then they wouldn't call it. And you're like, I'm, right. I'm not sure what you guys are seeing or how this game is being called. Uh, I just want some consistency. But I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think some of those Kansas City calls were warranted. Were they a little ticky tack? Yeah, sure. I would I w- I would have personally kept that flag in my pocket a couple of times. Well, what about the no call on Dominican Sue taking a swipe at Patrick Mahomes' head as he's laying on the ground? That's true. But that didn't get a penalty. Well, the other guy got a penalty for roughing yeah. the pass there. But I, yeah, the Dominican Sue got away with uh, a headshot or two, a, yep. a couple of points during that game. But I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, no officiating is perfect. Right. Uh, I would have liked to have seen it. Like I said, keep the keep the flag in your pocket unless it's super egregious or super obvious and i I saw a couple that i was like i don't think that's super obvious and there's a couple times like yeah that was pretty obvious but then why didn't that get called yeah there were times when i thought he barely touched the guy or he you know he he didn't really hook him he just kind of touched him as he ran past him and you're calling that because like i i have no problem with a defensive back and a wide receiver kind of not pushing off one another but like they kind of get tangled up you know they're both kind of Right. Trying to create a little bit of space between them, yep. and I think to a certain point you got to let that go, especially in a Super Bowl. Like these guys are going to fight for everything, fight claw, you know, their way to even getting a yard of separation because that could be the difference between catching a ball or not. Yeah. So whatever. Uh, I, I hate to say that it was rigged in, in officiating. I'll just <laughs> say I do think it was a poorly officiated game, and I think they were overly critical at certain points because yeah, Kansas yeah. City's defense got pretty physical with the with the wide receivers, but. Tampa's defense got physical in different ways, and I never saw a flag or yeah. maybe a couple. But it, it, I don't know. I hate to see that kind of uh, disparity, and I hate using that as an excuse. Like, oh, the officials screwed Kansas City. Because I'll admit, I think Kansas City shot themselves in the foot. They were doing oh, something. Yeah. And once the official calls that one penalty, one time, like, okay, you like, I think Romo brought it up on the broadcast that Kansas City likes to grab and hold a little bit. And you know, they get away with it, but obviously they weren't going to get away with it. So they needed to change something up, but they kept doing what they did, and it kept getting penalties. Yeah. So you you think you'd be smarter, you know, game not game planning, but like in in that moment, being like, hey, look, we can't really do that. So you're going to have to try to tweak it a little bit, so you're not getting all these penalties. And you saw that Tyron Matthew several times during the the game getting uh, agitated and obviously distressed with the referees, and yep. then you know taking yeah. it out on the sideline there so yeah. 
Yeah, well, this was this was a pretty close game uh, in the first half. Uh, it was fourteen to six with about a minute to go, and that's when Tampa got the ball back. Oh yeah, and you knew Tom Brady was going to try yeah, to go down and the it's score. exactly what happened. And there were some penalties that kept that going. Right, and it was like a seventy-something yard drive, yep. but thanks to the penalties, it, they only, it yeah. only took them five plays to get down there. Right. Yeah. So, it, yeah, uh, you you hated to see the the officiating go the way it did, but nonetheless, you know, Tampa Bay. Uh, Congratulations. I think they deserved. They deserved it. I yeah. thought they they just like you said. Better. I think they wanted it more. They they had something to prove. The you know Brady really wanted to win. You know, and being the first team to play in your home stadium, I mean that had to be you know really uh, an awesome experience. Right. For like anybody. how much? And, that, and that's something I think people will have to question from now on. Now, now that we have an example of a team playing at home during the Super Bowl. Granted, we also had to deal with a pandemic because Kansas City didn't fly in until the Saturday before. They didn't get right, there until yeah. like four in the afternoon on a yep. Saturday. So, which is weird. Normally, the teams are there all week at whatever Super Bowl location, but because of COVID, and I don't think that some of the off the field stuff that was happening with Andy Reid's son, which I guess we're not going to touch on, no. all that stuff happening, like how much of that was a factor in the fact that the Chiefs were only there for a day? Of course, they did all their practicing before they flew, but you still had to travel, which is something Tampa didn't have to do other than driving from their houses down the road to the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, is that a factor? You'd hate to use that as an excuse either, because you're professional athletes, darn it. Like, it shouldn't. Like, you you usually have to go to somebody's uh, stadium and play them when they just drive from their house, and you have to make the flight in. Yeah. Both teams are staying in hotels because it's a neutral site city. Yeah, typically, and... but so this is just a big weird little change. Uh, it didn't look like the stadium gave any advantage to one team or the other. Normally, like you know, if it was like a Tampa Bay home game, you'd have the the. I don't think I even heard the cannon sound no. in the game. No, Which, they weren't. They weren't going to use it this time because because it is neutral. Because, okay. yeah, so I'm glad they at least treated it like that. Yes. Uh, but yeah, very but, weird. Uh, but Tampa but, had their own locker room. Tampa, you know, I mean, that, that you would to. expect if you host, sure. you still get your locker sure. room. So I mean, um, they, they just had everything all laid out nice for them. And you know, because Kansas City just came in at the last minute for the game, there wasn't this whole week of you know interviews and well, they did and it. The it media. was just all virtual right but i mean did you really miss any of that this whole week leading up to it not really i don't really so much there's just so much that they try to do you don't need it nfl forget the bye week just play it the next week and be done with it forget all this other stuff it's not necessary something i heard i think you know the dan levitard show which is no longer on espn i think they're still uh kicking doing their own thing down in south florida yeah well are they on fox sports i have no idea what station they're on i just i caught a clip on their twitter of Stu Gott's talking about, like, why is this game not on Saturday? They have two weeks to prepare. Yeah. Like, there should be no reason, NFL, that you can't move it to a Saturday game. Like, what what is the big deal with having it on a Sunday night? Like, because make it primetime Saturday Because it's Super night. Sunday, not Super Saturday. Well, Super Saturday is still, you're still using the S. And if you want to leave it on Sunday, put it at 1 o'clock. Or well, even three o'clock. Come on, let people go well, to course, bed on time. Well, the go people to work on the, the, next day. On the West Coast, you know, oh, to heck with don't want to have it too early. They got everything all nice out there anyway. Forget but them. I I would love to see the NFL just move it to a Saturday. <laughs> Come on, what is the big deal? They're already getting two weeks of prep. Yeah. If you're gonna do this, just make the game a Saturday game. I think everybody would be happy, and you probably would get more viewers. <laughs> I, I saw that uh, this obviously wasn't the most watched Super Bowl. That's still 2015's Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl, but this one was just under 100 million views. I think it was in the 90-something million. So, obviously, it's going to get the big ratings and the big numbers. But speaking of the big ratings and the big numbers, we do have some commercials to talk about. But first, I want to get your analysis of the halftime show featuring The weekend. Uh, uh The weekend. <laughs> I I did not care for it myself. I know you didn't. 
I think so. I'm not a, a big weekend fan. He's got a couple of hits that I've heard before. And, but if you would have held a gun to my head and said, who was this singing this song? I wouldn't have known. <laughs> but when I heard him, I was like, oh, okay. I know these songs they are pretty catchy, fun mm-hmm. songs, whatever. And those, I'm like, I don't mind it. His music, I don't mind. It was mm-hmm. mainly, I don't know. Like, I just thought it was a bland, I, I won't say bland. Cause it was creative the way they had the, uh, his stage more in the end zone. It wasn't actually on the field, which is typically what they do, right. which is different, which I'm like, okay, interesting. I liked the setup. But there was just times I was I just wasn't as entertained. It was pretty basic, and I get that for socially distanced Super Bowl. You don't want to get too crazy with it. They had all the dancers wearing his bandage face from uh, one of his music videos, dance around on the field. Uh, I don't know. It was pretty bland. I wouldn't put it in a top ten Super Bowl halftime no. shows. But it was it wasn't offensive. The NFL was playing it safe. Sure, you got all the memes out of it from when he was running around in his light room or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, look, at, you like were disoriented like, watching it. Well, yeah, it was making me dizzy. I was starting to get nauseous because the, the lights were just flashing and, and the cameras moving back and forth. And you know, it was like being in one of those uh, uh, mirror rooms at the carnival. You know, yeah, at, that's at what the, that made me think County Fair. But just so many great <laughs> memes. I'm sure everybody's seen them. I think one of my favorite ones was. Uh, when you're trying to run around and find your mom when they lose you at the mall. I know that feeling. <laughs> Done that before. Like, where? Are you over here? Are you over there? Uh, so, whatever. Halftime show. Yeah. I'm not saying that he was bad. He no, was, he wasn't. He was fine. I'd never really heard of him before. In fact, I'd, first I'd heard of him was when he was announced as being the halftime right. performer a couple months ago. Never heard of him. Never heard of his mu- music. But, I mean. Have you gone to listen to any of his music since? No. But uh, music-wise, I guess I we'll mean, have to do he was, that he was good. Yeah, some of the visuals I, I didn't care for. The whole thing of, of you know running around in that maze, you know, yeah, under the weird. stage, it, w- it was just kind of weird. I didn't I didn't care for it. I'm surprised that he didn't have a guest uh, artist come out with him because that's been real big the last few years. You get one com- one big name artist, and then you throw somebody else in that you weren't expecting to be you, there. I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like at, at this point, it's like in every other year they do that. Mm. So like this year, he got to do it by himself. Last year, it was. Jennifer Lopez and uh, Shakira. Shakira teaming yeah. up, and then they had a couple guests pop up. But then the year before that was Lady Gaga, and I don't think she had any guest appearances, right? I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think she had anybody. So with she her. didn't. So I, I think they'll give some artists the leeway to be like, "Look, yeah. it's your show. You do you. You have a bunch of hits. Yep. Uh, we, we won't have time to get to any side <laughs> artists." Uh, and then I'm trying to think who who was before Lady Gaga. Was that Katy Perry the year before that? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure because I can't remember if she teamed up with anybody, but, but then. But to, I don't know. In my mind, nothing's going to beat Katy Perry coming in on that giant robot lion or whatever I, that was. And that was something that, that maybe was people... just awesome. Like, I, I get it. That's a spectacle thing, and yeah. it was cool. I mean, we I like some of Katy Perry's songs. She's not my favorite artist, but I like some of her stuff. It, I, I'd at least heard a few of hers. Same, same with The Weeknd. Like, I've heard a couple of his. Not a big fan. Maybe I'll check out some stuff. I don't know. But it was a safe... You know, the NFL's been playing it safe. Yep. But all in all, I think between the Super Bowl game itself, which was... Eh, a couple good plays in there, you know, on the edge of your seat watching Patrick Mahomes do his thing, right. but wasn't enough to beat the GOAT. Then you got the halftime show, which was like, well, it was okay. It's not like he was a terrible performer, but it just wasn't one of my there. favorite. It was there. It was a halftime show. Yep. And then on top of it, you throw in the meh commercials we're about to talk about. Yeah. It was just a meh Super Bowl. This this will be one that's not even in the top half of football or Super Bowl experiences you're going to talk about. Yeah. I mean, every year... I think the commercials get worse and worse every year. 
the only good ones are the ones that seems like where they, where they bring back something that they did a few years ago that they knew worked or that was funny or made a lot of money. And that's a good one to start with because one of the big ones that people have talked about, which you don't have on your list, is the Bud Light commercial where they kind of Avengers Endgame style brought in all these famous uh, people but, from all the f- past Bud Light yeah, commercials to the team Bud up. Bowl and, thing yeah. And, yeah, the Bud Bowl thing. Which, upon reflection, that was a decent one. I like the creativity of that one to kind of parody uh, the Avengers movie, and then on top of it, you get to see a bunch of the old uh, bits, like those little football helmets on the beer bottle that would run around. The Bud Bowl, that's what I said. Yeah, the Bud Bowl. <laughs> uh, then you'd have, like, uh, the guy who sang the song, you know. Um, oh, yeah, the real American The hero. real American yeah. hero singer. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer, because they, I guess it should have been hinted when they've been doing all these retro commercials lately. Right. Like, oh, okay, you're gonna bring some of these. Those guys were back. actually good to see the the actual retro commercial, you know, right. in the week leading up to the game or whatever. And of course, the Bud Knight, who's been a staple of the Super Bowl commercial the last several years. Yeah, I was glad to see him get thrown off a cliff <laughs> and die again. <laughs> but whatever. So whatever. So that was interesting. Uh, another one I want to bring up because I watched a video. One of our favorite YouTube channels is that uh, Watch Mojo, where they do like top ten lists every day, mm. and they did one. Uh, for the top ten commercials, one their number one was definitely not one that you wrote down or mm. I even wrote down. It was the Edward Scissorhands or oh, Edgar yeah. Scissorhands? Yeah. Uh, car commercial was that for Chrysler? That was just eh. I forget who that was. I rewatched it, but you know, I admire that they had uh, Timothy Chalamet playing a young son of uh, Edward Scissorhands, and then uh, Renona Ryder reprising her role as the mom or the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the girl, girl from love interest, whatever. Yeah, from the original movie. So like, whatever. Points for being creative. Uh, and then uh, number two on their list was something you and I both agreed on, which was the uh, Wayne's World mm. Uber. What was it? Uh, not Uber Eats. It was. Uh, um, I don't was even remember what they were. <laughs> I, think, it was, I think it was DoorDash. Might have, might DoorDash had a couple of commercials, uh, and they uh, they got Cardi B in their commercial. Apparently, there's right. an extended version of it with Alex Cooper somewhere, oh. where they. Uh, are literally just sitting there reading some of the local, like they have a, a screen which looks like the end credits of a movie, and oh. all these local eateries are cut co- like 900 or something, you know, coming up on the screen. Hmm. So, I guess go check out the extended version and see if that's hmm. any funnier. I just saw a little bit of that where Alice Cooper shows up, mm-hmm. but that was one of my favorites. Uh, then let's see, I guess we'll get to what, some of your one of my favorites. I go with one of yours, the, the T Mobile commercial where uh, Anthony Anderson. Was on there and his mom and they were playing like football a family in the football yard. game. Yeah, yeah and, and Travis uh, Kelsey and Travis Kelsey was in there. That to me, that was the best commercial. That was a good one. Out of I the think whole that got the night. most laughs out of us. Yeah, that was one that was not even on their Watch Mojo top ten or even honorable mentions, which shocked me a little bit. But yeah, that was a great one. I think uh, we can mutually agree on that. Uh, one other you... one uh, that I'm trying to think of. I liked I liked the General Motors commercial with Will Ferrell. I laughed during that one. Mm-hmm. I won't say it was the best commercial, but I at least got some laughs out of it. Yeah. Uh, Aquafina cameo, and you like Keenan Thompson, so you <laughs> yep. get a little bit of him out of yep. that. I'm not a Will Ferrell fan. but No, but you got, hey, two, two out of I three chuckled. ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad because you like yeah. Aquafina too. Yep, yep. But, and, and you like the com- the. Com- this wasn't really a commercial, but the uh, the thing for the the Falcon and the Winter yes. Soldier. Yes. Anytime they show, show like usually the Super Bowl are packed with a movie trailer. They got some big trailer that that, that they'll put in, and this year it was the Disney Plus series, uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Disney Plus. I'm obviously a fan. There's an extended trailer or the actual trailers online. They just showed a brief TV trailer for Super Bowl. I'm pumped for it. You know, I like a good superhero or a Marvel movie mm-hmm. as much as the next person, and <laughs> you know Disney Plus is riding high. 
Yeah. And I think that was one takeaway from this was uh, there was only one other movie trailer that was an M. Night Shyamalan movie, I believe, uh, called Old. Oh, yeah. Which was like towards the beginning. And, eh. But there wasn't a lot of movie trailers. I was a little surprised that there weren't as many, especially with the streaming platforms. Of course, you had the Paramount Plus uh, string of ads where they were climbing to the top of the uh, Paramount yeah. Mountain. Yep. I thought the final commercial was the best one of those, but I thought there'd be more pimping out of the different streaming services since everybody's still yeah. at home and we don't know when we're going to get out. You know, I thought we would have seen the HBO max, uh, yep. maybe a, a pure Disney plus. That's true. But we, I mean, Disney plus obviously putting out the Falcon winter soldier one. Yeah. I thought maybe you'd get like a Netflix, like because last year during the, after the super bowl of the year before Netflix dropped a movie, like right after the super bowl, mm. that Cloverfield paradox or whatever. So like, I, I was expecting some more of that, but with it being on CBS, we got a whole lot of equalizer, the TV series, right. Commercials, whatever. And some of their other shows like Clarice and blah blah blah. Yeah. But overall, pretty meh. Yeah. Um, one last commercial. It wasn't funny, but I thought it was pretty poignant. It was, it was powerful. The one yeah. about the the foreign adoption where they they showed a couple in their house getting a phone call that we you know we have a child for you, and uh, but they said but there are some problems you know the yeah. kids in Russia is gonna have to lose yeah. both their legs and this and that and and it shows the kid growing up and and becoming like a Paralympic swimmer, and based uh, on a true story. Oh well. Uh, I didn't know that, but yeah, uh, I believe it's a true story. But you know, in, in the end, you know, they they agreed to take the child in spite of all this. And you know, as as someone who adopted a daughter from a foreign country, you know, your sister, I could relate to that. Um, so I I kind of like that one, even though that m- normally my favorite commercials are the ones I laugh at. But this right. was this was really so every year they usually have a, a poignant one or two, and especially with the. Uh, a lot of the issues we've been facing as a country the last year on top of the pandemic, I, I thought we'd see a little bit more of those kind of commercials. Then there was one or two, mm-hmm. uh, but for whatever reason, they didn't hit his home or hit as a poignant level as this one. I thought it was shot well. Uh, I thought it was, you know, yeah. vis- visually, yeah, it, was, it was a stunning, stunning commercial to watch uh, and a very powerful message behind it. So Super Bowl is a good place for it. But then you also got to think about a lot of times, Man, they spent five million dollars on this yeah. ad. <laughs> yeah, five point five million was was the the going price this year. And the worst one to me was the the guy the the almond guy that was sitting in the field playing the. Uh, oh yeah, that was a weird one. Yeah, he was the CEO of the company and he was singing real bad. And you know, it just reminded me of many many years ago. There was a a couple of old guys uh, in a commercial and they had a chimpanzee with them and they just basically did goofy stuff and, and at the end they just said yeah we just paid 3.6 million dollars for this commercial and they basically did nothing right. i don't remember what the product was but that just stuck in my mind as i'm yeah. watching that like he's paying five and a half million and he's sitting there singing bad everybody remembered it because everybody hated it all right but he got his money i was it was hated but it was just like a weird yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway so that's enough about i mean the super bowl everybody's watched it yep and i'm sure we'll be talking about it for a little bit but it's, hey you know what it means means we can focus on next season already. Yeah, I've already seen that the, the Super Bowl 55 has been replayed on NFL Network at oh, least twice mm-hmm. in the last couple of days since uh, since it's aired. So, yeah, they're getting their money out of it. All right, well, that's it for the World of Football scoreboard for a while. And so we're going well, to move on Well, maybe or maybe not, because next week we might have a scoreboard. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, let's see, moving on to some NFL news. The night before the Super Bowl, they always announced the Pro Football Hall of Fame class and all the awards and whatnot, and we watched that whole thing. Uh, the Hall of Fame class for 2021 is uh, consisting of Charles Woodson, our own Calvin Johnson from Detroit. That was that made me happy. Tom Flores, Drew Pearson, Alan Fanica, Bill Nunn, John Lynch, and of course 
to surprise to no one, Peyton Manning. Is this because uh, obviously you got Charles Woodson who played in a Super Bowl, uh, you know, great college player, great NFL player, played with the Packers and the Raiders, mm-hmm. you know, Calvin Johnson, great wide receiver, played for the Lions. Tom Flores was a coach. Coach, yes, he was a coach with the coach Raiders. With the Raiders yep. uh, Drew Pearson was a name I wasn't familiar with, but he was the sports journalist, or is that none? No, he's uh, he's uh, Drew Pearson was a wide receiver. Okay, Drew Pe- oh, he was the Cowboys receiver. Okay. Some of these Bill names... Nunn. Bill Nunn was a journalist. A journalist, yes. okay. And then Alan Fanica, I remember him being a, a big key offensive lineman there for the uh, Steelers. John Lynch, of course, the great safety with Tampa Bucks. Bay and the Denver Broncos at one point. And, of course, Peyton Manning. So is this one of the most loaded draft class we've had in a while? I want to say yes. Uh, it seems like every year they'll pull out a few people from you know way back in the day that, that even I have never heard of before. Uh, Bill Nunn was the only one on this list that I wasn't totally familiar with. Mm. Uh, but I think this is a great class. This is, yeah. yeah, this is a fantastic like, And ten- big, too. Eight, player, eight people as opposed to normally five. Right. Sometimes only four, but... Yeah, this and was so yeah to have good. like an all-time great in Calvin Johnson and all, I think just alone if you just had Calvin Johnson Peyton Manning that's pretty big one of the greatest mm-hmm. receivers of all time one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time what was that and Charles sta- Woodson one of the greatest cornerbacks of yeah. all time what was that stat you were telling me about uh, Calvin Johnson oh yeah so uh, if you think about it well I, I mean somebody pointed out uh, between when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl in two thousand and two uh, Calvin Johnson was drafted to the Detroit Lions and. Throughout the course of Calvin's nine-year career, Calvin was drafted, uh, played nine seasons, retired, and then just got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. At the, I forget how old he is. He's only 30. He's like one of the uh, youngest. 35, I think. He's like one of the youngest guys to be inducted into yeah. the Hall of Fame. Uh, but in that span of time, Tom Brady has won another Super Bowl. Like, and So yeah. Tom Brady's career has lasted so long that he has seen Calvin drafted, retire and inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and then Tom Brady goes out and wins a another, another Super Bowl. Another Super Bowl, and he says he's coming back. Next and he says year he's too. coming back. Yeah, he was very adamant about coming yep. back next year. So, boy, oh boy, uh, <laughs> that, that's that's just pretty unique. It was, that, it was a really interesting. Johnson's whole career is wrapped up in a small segment of Tom Brady's right. Career. Yeah, Tom Brady's twenty-year career, and then somewhere in there is a nine-year Calvin Johnson career, <laughs> Hall of Fame, a Hall career. of Fame career too. Yeah. At that, so. Yeah. So okay, well let's run down some of the uh, awards. Yeah, the, and what do you, what do you think of the the ceremony itself? Normally, you know, it's kind of set up like the Oscars, where they're in a in in a in a hall somewhere. They have a stage where you know the presenter yeah. usually, which is been with people. Uh, Steve Harvey. The last few years has done it. They've had mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin do it a few times. Uh, so they essentially essentially it's like the Oscars of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, with it being remote and with people being socially distanced, it took place at uh, SoFi Stadium. We opened with a Green Day. I won't say a concert, but essentially a three or four song Green Day set for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. I don't mind it. I like Green Day. I could have done without that. But it was it was just weird to be sitting there like, uh, is this the honors? Like they showed some highlights, and you're like, uh, yeah. Fifteen minutes later, they're still singing. And I'm like, uh, when's the show gonna start? Yeah, <laughs> uh, very weird. But anyway, we get into it. I thought a lot of the bits that Steve Harvey opened with were fantastic and funny, and he he definitely ripped into a lot of guys, <laughs> which I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> And I think as far as the awards, I'm not shocked by most of them. No. It no. was pretty much uh, what you expect. Yep. yep. A lot of good awards this year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, quarterback Justin Herbert from the L.A. Chargers. That made complete sense. Totally deserved it. I mean, the only thing that would have uh, made it more interesting is if Joe Burrow would have gotten, uh, wouldn't have gotten hurt, mm. uh, how close that race would have been between yep. the two. Yep. But even then, there were great uh, – 
offensive rookies all around the league between sure. Herbert and then uh, Justin Jefferson of the uh, Vikings, the wide receiver, had a great season. So, yeah, but I think out of those, yeah, Justin Herbert really did deserve it. He looked great. Yep. Uh, defensive Rookie of the Year, Chase Young from Washington. Yeah, what, what more can you say about that guy? He is an Aaron Donald in the making. Yeah. He, you know, runs all over the field, and I think there's a great quote that will probably last a long time from Mike Tomlin. was mic'd up during the game talking to Chase Young when they played this year and said, mm. I never want to be bad enough to draft somebody like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Aaron Donald, he was the Defensive Player of the Year for the L.A. Rams. And for the offensive player of the year, it was Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. No surprise there. Yeah, you can't you can't vote against Derrick Henry I mean, if, this if year. You're a 2000, He'll come push it down. If you're a two thousand yard rusher, you're almost guaranteed oh, yeah. either offensive player or league MVP. <laughs> sure. You're one of the two. So when once right. it went to offensive player of the year, it kind of narrowed down who the MVP would be. Yeah. But then you had the coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski from the Cleveland Browns. Well deserved. There were yep. several candidates for that that yep. I thought deserved it between. Uh, the Bills coach, I think uh, even Miami Dolphins coach probably could have gotten it for turning that team around, even though they didn't make the playoffs. But to go from one of the worst teams to a 10-6 and six record and just missing the playoffs is fantastic. Yep. Uh, I forget what other teams' uh, coaches were up for it, but, I mean, everybody was deserving of it. It was just a matter of sure. uh, you got to pick one, and apparently turning the Browns around is a big deal. Yeah. And the fact that, hey, oh, they yeah. turned around, they won a – a playoff game, yep. even though he technically didn't coach that playoff game that day. He was at home because of COVID. Oh, that's right. That's so, right. I forgot about that. Which I think is a little little funny. But, yeah, to turn around that dysfunctional franchise was yeah. good on him. Yep. And then comeback player of the year, quarterback Alex Smith of Washington. Another nobody night. else could have. No. You know, if there was a vote on this, uh, nobody else would have gotten any votes. Well, there was a vote, <laughs> and apparently it was not unanimous. Oh, that's right. It was. There was one person. I don't know if we found out who it was yet. One person out of the 50 votes voted for Ben Roethlisberger mm. instead of Alex Smith, which yeah, I find odd. Pittsburgh writer, probably. But even then, like for a minute there, I thought Matt Stafford could have been a player of the year until Alex Smith came back because yeah. Matt Stafford came back from the back injury. I thought Matt Stafford had a pretty good year through for 4,000 yards. Mm. But, yeah, you have to give it to Alex Smith you oh, know, for yeah. fighting what he had to fight through yep. uh, and almost losing his life. during. And then just to come out and play football. And then the first game back, you're playing Aaron Donald on the <laughs> other side of that ball. Yeah. This guy deserved it. Well, that was a comeback player of the year award that was two years in the making. Yeah. So yeah, he he deserved that. Clutch performance play of the year, the Hale Murray by oh, yeah. uh, Kyler Murray down there in Arizona. That was a that reminded us so much of the Calvin Johnson catch from years there ago. There were two Calvin Johnson catches like that. Shoot. But three guys around him, and he somehow came down with that ball and, yeah. and wrestled it away from everybody else and hit yeah, the that, ground. Yeah, it was a great. Yeah, the Hale Murray will be one to last a long time yeah. in uh, NFL history. Yeah. A league MVP, quarterback Aaron Rodgers of the Packers. Not a surprise. Not Everybody not was kind of leaning towards him, but it was, it was between him, Bill's quarterback, uh, Jared Allen, or sorry, Josh Allen, and then uh, Cincinnati, Kansas City quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Mm. And then the Walter Payton Man of the Year was quarterback Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. I guess he does yep. a lot of good work up yeah, there. I, I wasn't familiar with all the they stuff told he a does great, off the field. But. They told a great story about how the week he got drafted, he called up a local hospital in Seattle and said, hey, I just yeah. got drafted to you guys. Is there any way that on Tuesdays I can come and do something? And apparently every Tuesday since he got drafted, he's doing something with the local children's hospital yeah, there. Meeting kids in the hospital. And so between doing it that for his whole career, and then I, I won't say he like stepped it up this year, but being recognized for, you know, Doing maybe a little more this year between the social justices and 
uh, the pandemic and everything else we've had to deal with. You know, he just he, every every one of those thirty two guys that were nominated deserved it. Sure, but they can only go with one. And, sure. I mean, Russell Wilson's a genuinely good dude, and I'm happy to see him get that. Yeah, and they said that when he started, uh, you know, making. Uh, uh... <coughs> oh, we got a little coffee cup over there. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. When he started uh, making contact with the hospital. Yep, take a drink of water. You look like you're about to cough again. <laughs> Hang on. Yep. Okay. When he started making contact with the hospital right after he was drafted, they had no idea who he was, so they were a little yeah. reluctant to say, okay, yeah, you can come you know, come to the hospital. Uh, but that's just that's just the way he is, and uh, so congratulations to him. And the last award that I've got written down, written down here, there were some other ones that were yeah. crap awards. My criteria is if the guy doesn't get up and make a speech... I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, fan of the year, Brandon Galloway, uh, a fan of the uh, Tennessee Titans, and that's a new award they're doing from now on, is the fan of the year. Yeah. I don't know what the criteria is for that, but congratulations to him. All right, well, that's it for our NFL news. <clears throat> uh, I don't know if you saw this or not. This just came out yesterday, but oh, the, in yeah. the CFL, there are now seven official finalists to be the new name of the Edmonton, uh, formerly the Edmonton Eskimos, now technically the Edmonton football team. But they have seven finalists. Some of these are pretty strange. Um, let me just read down the list here. Uh, elk, of course, they all start with E because they want to keep right. the EE on their helmet. So you've got the Elk, the Eagles, the Evergreens, the Eclipse, the Elk Hounds, the Elements, and the Evergolds. Now, I, I thought this was a good collection. I would I would get rid of Eagles right off the bat. What? I would get rid of the Edmonton Eagles. Yep, get get that oh, out of no, here. No. Elk and Eagles, those are my two picks. I'd get rid of Elements and I would I would even like the Elk. I like Evergreens. I like Eclipse. I like the Elk Hounds. That's unique. What and is Evergold. an Elk Hound? Is that a dog that goes out chasing elks so that you can hunt them down That's and big, shoot them? Heck yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, or is no. it or is it a elk like hound? Uh, like a I mythical creature up there in, in the so. forests of Edmonton. I don't know. I mean, Canada I... is rich with lore <laughs> and mystery. Let it be an elk hound. I get ever golds because their their colors are green and gold. Uh, elements, no. Elk hounds, no. Eclipse comes around once in a <laughs> once in a blue moon. You get an eclipse. Hey, just kind of like winning a great cup championship. Yeah. Once in a blue moon. And evergreens, what are you going to be like? Stanford and have a tree as your logo? No, I don't think so. Well, I mean, if you're staying with the EE, I think the Evergolds is a unique enough name. Uh, elk, I like elk. I don't know I, what it is. That's, I like elk. Um, the elk is my. In fact, I saw somebody. They came up with a logo of a majestic elk. You know, with the team colors and you know Edmonton elk. Of course, they they had an S Edmonton elks, and I think. Elk is the plural. plural of elk. You know, there's no S on the end of it. Hmm. But uh, either or. I like elk. That's my number one pick. Uh, Eagles, to me, would be any, the second one. Any word on when the name should be picked I don't by? remember seeing what the timeline was to Because, I mean, if they that. got it down to this seven, these seven names, I mean, you'd yeah. think they'd be getting close well, up uh, their, before their, the next season. Their draft is usually in May, and I think their uh, preseason is supposed to begin around the end of May, maybe May 28th mm-hmm. or 25th. I forget this, uh, what it is this year. So I'm thinking between now and May... They should have a name and a logo. Uh, right. They won't have to change their uniforms at all, so it'll just be. We'll have like to change a, your helmet, yeah. A just, secondary logo. Just a name. So I mean, they could add another. I mean, right now I think they've got the. Uh, they have a football for a logo, and uh, you know, like a walking football. And I think they have another one that's a polar bear, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So they can add an elk. Uh, you know, it's not a guy in an elk suit or a guy in an eagle suit. I think that would be perfectly uh, acceptable. So well, we'll see. It'll yeah. be interesting. Yep. 
And uh, let's see. Oh, um, Peyton's Places. Now, last week, I wasn't able to get my computer uh, working. I had some connection issues. I couldn't watch last week's episode in time for our podcast. But I watched two of them this week. Um, episode number 10, The Last Line of Defense. Uh, he, he interviewed safeties Ronnie Lott and Rodney Harris, Harrison for that particular show. That, and that was pretty good. But number 11, to me, was even better. It's called Halftime in Living Color. And he interviewed James Lofton, who was at the first Super Bowl as a 10-year-old kid with his dad. So he got to see the Packers and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs play in the first AFL-NFL World Championship game. And uh, they were at the Los Angeles Coliseum. And I don't know if this was computer-generated or what, but the field was all painted up just the way it was for that first Super Bowl. Hmm. They had the AFL-NFL logo in the middle of the field, and they had uh, every five yards were marked. So you had the 5, the 10, the 15. It wasn't every 10 yards. And both end zones were made up just the way they were. I, it looked real to me. If it was computer-generated, uh, they did a real good job. But it, that was awesome, awesome to see them walking on that field um, painted up like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just really good. And, uh, and then he also talked to Keenan Ivory Wayans, about uh, their 1992 halftime show for In Living Colors. Now, I know you don't remember this. You were only a couple years old. But your mom and I actually watched this. They made a big deal in the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl saying, hey, the Super Bowl is coming up. We're going to do our own halftime show. So once the game goes to halftime, switch back over to Fox because it was on CBS or NBC or something. And said, you know, and watch our show. And we're going to have a countdown clock in the bottom of the screen so you'll know when to go back, tune it back into the game. And they had some great skits. They had the Homeboy Shopping Network where they were um, going through the locker room and, and find, you know selling stuff out of the players' lockers. Hmm. And uh, they had the, the Men on Football skit. Oh, gosh, it was so good. I remember watching that. And then you know when it was time to go back to the game, you went back to the game. But they talked about how boring and, and uh, just... Uh, it was the same thing every year for the halftime shows. They had Up With People, or they had, you know, uh, Al Hurt was there for the very first one, I think. And after In Living Colors did their thing, the NFL got wise, and the very next year, Michael Jackson was the featured singer at halftime of the Super Bowl. And then from then on, it's just exploded to, you know, Lady Gaga, The Weeknd, you know, all these, you know, Paul McCartney and and Prince. So, I mean, they kind of take... Credit credit for the fact that maybe they had something to do with saying, "Hey, your halftime show is terrible. Do something better, you know, or we'll keep doing this." So it was really, really good. All right, and, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say right now, you've you've been advocating for Weird Al Yankovic to get to to, to play <laughs> a have. Super Bowl halftime show, which I'd be down with. But how about and hear hear me out here? We get rid of the music act for a year. All right, we've we've done that before. How about something a little different? It's gonna be in Los Angeles next year. You know what people like in Los Angeles and what they have no shortage of. Stand-up comedian slash <laughs> slash improv comedian. So I say you get the cast of Whose Line Is It Anyway to go to the Super Bowl and just have them do a 20-minute bit right there on stage. You can have Drew Carey come back and, and be like a guest. You could have Aisha Tyler out there being the host like she is right now. You get Colin Mockery. You get oh, Ryan good. Stiles. You get all those guys out there. Or Wayne Brady. You get a little song. You get a little dance. You get some great skits. Everybody in the stadium is laughing because you know what? When the Lions are down 50 to nothing at halftime of Super Bowl 56, you know, we could use a good laugh. 
and and all the skits could be based on something that happened with those teams during the season or whatever. Right, like what what are some of the great bits Whose Line does? You've been watching a lot of Whose Line lately, so they do like scenes from a hat. Mm-hmm. So how about a scene where Andy Reid comes to a buffet and he's the next person in line? And, scenes from a helmet. Or there you go. Scene from a <laughs> Hi, I've just wrote a great bit for your halftime show, Roger Goodell. Hire me. Uh, actually, I guess you would have to hire the Who's Line people, but I would yeah. just take a finder's fee. Uh, but uh, going back to um, his interview with James Laughlin, they also talked about how at the very first Super Bowl, they had a couple guys in jetpacks. Yeah, I saw Peyton re- redoing that yeah, one. Yeah, and, and Peyton supposedly put one on and flew around. Not supposedly, he did it. Well, no, because at the end, they show the, the stuntman that actually flew it. Oh, boo. <laughs> but, but that was pretty cool. So, yeah, check out uh, episode 11. That, that might be one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, you were bragging if, about that if one. Not as the, soon as you... the favorite one yeah. so far this year. Um, but, yeah, that was really good. Episode 11 of Peyton's Places just came out last Sunday. All right, um, Arena Football TV on YouTube. They posted a game this year uh, of the... This week. Yeah, this week. Sorry. The Las Vegas Gladiators versus the Arizona Rattlers from 2003. Commentators for that game were Eli Gold, who we love, and John Riggins, the Mm. former Washington Redskins uh, running back. Uh, They were the announcers for that game. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the head coach of Arizona because he has a birthday today, so we'll, we'll talk about him in a minute. And now we do have uh, three obituaries that uh, happened this past week, and one of them happened just yesterday, and we just found out about it a little while ago. Marty Schottenheimer, a head coach in the NFL for 21 seasons, has passed away of complications from Alzheimer's disease at the age of 77. He'd been placed in hospice care you know, just a few days ago, and so I, we knew it was not going to be uh, long for, for Mr. Schottenheimer. But he played college football at the University of Pittsburgh, and he was selected in the fourth round of the 1965 NFL draft by the Baltimore, Baltimore Colts. He was also selected in the seventh round of the AFL draft that year by the Buffalo Bills. He chose to sign with the Bills and played four seasons in Buffalo from 1965 to 1968 as a middle linebacker. He also played for the Boston Patriots in 1969 and 1970 before going into coaching. He started out as an assistant coach with the Portland Storm of the World Football League in 1974 before moving on to the NFL where he was an assistant coach with the New York Giants, the Detroit Lions, and the Cleveland Browns between 1975 and 1984. He became the head coach of the Browns in 1985 and remained there through 1998. He was also the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs from 89 to 98, the Washington Redskins uh, for one season in 2001, and he was with the San Diego Chargers from 2002 through 2006. He was named NFL Coach of the Year in 2004 when he was with the Chargers. Schottenheimer was the eighth winningest coach in NFL history, posting a record of 200 wins, 126 losses, and one tie. In 2011, he was the head coach and general manager of the Virginia Destroyers, of the United Football League. Our next obituary is that of Charlie Kruger, a defensive back in the NFL for 15 seasons and has passed away at the age of 84. Kruger played college football at Texas A&M and was the ninth overall pick in the 1958 NFL draft by the San Francisco 49ers. However, he sat out his rookie season due to an injury. He played his entire career with the Niners from 1959 to 1973. Kruger helped lead his team to three consecutive NFC West Conference titles from 1970 to 1972. His jersey number, number 70, was retired in 1974, and he was inducted into the inaugural class of the 49ers Hall of Fame in 2009. 
He was also inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1983, the Texas A&M Athletics Hall of Fame in 1972, and finally the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 2014. Our final obituary this week is that of Fred Forsberg, who played linebacker in the NFL and in the CFL. He's passed away at the age of 74. Forsberg played college football at the University of Washington and was selected in the 14th round of the 1966 American Football League draft by the Denver Broncos. However, he chose to sign with the Calgary Stampeders of the Canadian Football League and played north of the border in 1966. He then signed with the Broncos in 1968 and played in Denver in 1968 and from 1970 to 1973. He was traded to the Buffalo Bills during the 1973 season, and he played his final NFL season with the San Diego Chargers. So those are our three obituaries for this week. Uh, birthdays today. Quarterback and punter Danny White turns 69 today. He went, uh, played college football at Arizona State. He was a third-round pick in the 1974 NFL draft by the Dallas Cowboys. He played for the Cowboys from 76 to 88. He also played for the, uh, well, he started out playing for the World Football League's Memphis South Men as a backup quarterback in 1974 and 75 before joining the, co the Cowboys. He won a Super Bowl title as uh, Roger Staubach's uh, backup in Super Bowl twelve. And uh, after he retired from the NFL, he became the head coach and general manager of the Arizona Rattlers of the Arena Football League, and he was there from 1992 to 2004. And he was also the head coach of the Utah Blaze from 2006 to 2008. Uh, he had a, uh, a record of 142 wins and 82 losses and was named the AFL's Coach of the Year in 1993. He won uh, Arena Bowl titles in 94 and 97 and led the team to three other appearances in the Arena Bowl in 2002, 2003, and 2004. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1997 and in the Arena Football League Hall of Fame in 2002. I'd forgotten that Danny White was a punter, too. Yeah. You know, when he, as a backup quarterback, you don't get in the game too much, especially when Roger Staubach's there. So the only time you saw Danny White was uh, coming out to punt the ball. And uh, and then when Staubach retired, he took over as a quarterback. So yeah, happy birthday to Danny White, uh, NFL and Arena Football League uh, history there. All right. Going into our two-minute history lesson this week, we have a profile of NFL pioneer Bill Willis. Along with his teammate, Marion Motley, Bill Willis helped reintegrate pro football in 1946. Both African-American players signed with the Cleveland Browns of the All-America Football Conference that year, and both ended up being enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. In college, Willis played for future Browns coach Paul Brown when he was the head coach at Ohio State. Willis was a member of the Buckeyes' 1942 National Championship team. After Willis graduated, he spent a year as the head football coach at Kentucky State, an all-black college. The following year, he made a verbal commitment to play for the Montreal Alouettes of the Canadian Football League, but before he went up to Canada, he had a tryout with the Cleveland Browns. During his Browns tryout, he was so fast coming across the line of scrimmage from his defensive position that several players accused him of being offsides. Coach Brown positioned himself on the line of scrimmage to see for himself. After several plays, Brown saw that Willis was not offsides. He was just that fast. 
Brown was so impressed that he signed him to a contract. Willis was actually under contract to the team three days before Marion Motley arrived as a member of the Browns. Willis and Motley played eight seasons with the Cleveland Browns, four in the AAFC and four in the NFL. They won five consecutive league titles between 1946 and 1950 and appeared in three more. Because Willis played middle guard on the defensive line, which is today known as the nose guard position, he did not always get the kind of recognition that Motley received playing on the offense. But Willis's contributions to the team's eight straight years of championship game appearances cannot be denied. It was Willis and Motley in Cleveland, along with Woody Strode and Kenny Washington of the Los Angeles Rams, who broke through the color barrier in 1946 and paved the way for every African-American player who came after them in pro football. Some say that they even paved the way for Jackie Robinson to break baseball's color barrier in 1947. Willis was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1977. The other members of his induction class were Bart Starr, Gail Sayers, Forrest Gregg, and Frank Gifford. Not bad company. After he retired from playing football, Bill Willis remained in Ohio. He spent 30 years working for the Ohio Youth Commission, helping to better the lives of young people. Bill Willis's career may have been overshadowed by that of his teammate, Marion Motley. But the fact that his bust now resides in Canton, along with that of Motley's, should tell you that Bill Willis was one of the best players in NFL history. Another week, another great history lesson there, especially uh, highlighting Black History Month. So. Yeah, well, this completes the, the four players, uh, Kenny Washington, Woody Strode, uh, Mary Motley, and Bill Willis, who all integrated the the NFL and the AAFC in 1946. Yeah. So I wanted to do a... I think last year I did a, a, the other the two Los Angeles players, and this year I, I did the uh, Cleveland Browns players. So, yep, got all four of those guys in there. So, all right, all right upcoming events, something you're looking forward yes, to. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, you you can you can handle this reporting next week if yeah. uh, uh, if this league actually kicks off. But February fourteenth, thirteenth, thirteenth. Yes, that's a Saturday night. Come on now. The fan controlled football season begins. Yes. I, uh, I have not got on to vote for any of their rules. Apparently, uh, they posted some stuff where you get to vote on, is this a catch? And they showed a video of a guy catching a ball and going to the ground. And even though he has control of the ball with his hands, the ball touches the ground. So I guess the fans get to log in and vote whether or not that rule is a catch or a non-catch because hmm. the ball hits the So they're doing a lot of weird, innovative things. I, you know, they're still kind of small. They've been, they did like a test game or some test uh, plays or something on mm-hmm. over the weekend. I wasn't really 100% sure. But... Uh, I'm trying to keep up with this league. Uh, I mean, I think hopefully it'll start catching on. We'll see. I'm sure it'll it'll take a while, but I'm gonna try my darndest to get in there and figure out uh, what's making this league tick. Do, do we know where it's going to be streamed or or Twitch. shown? Uh, Twitch. Twitch games Friday or Saturday nights and Sundays. Uh, I'm not familiar with Twitch. Twitch is a gamer streaming uh, platform okay. where you can pretty much watch your favorite internet streamers uh, like a ninja or whoever who ninja the blue-haired kid that uh, was the detroit lions honorary captain last year uh oh. big uh, video game uh, okay. player anyway uh it's a platform there where you can go watch the games there and then uh, also if you have your account you log in and then you'll be able to call the plays for your team i don't know if you have to register and pick the team you're rooting for or not hmm. i'm not 100 percent sure how that would work 
Uh, what team is Johnny Manziel playing for? Uh, that part I don't Do know we, yet either. Okay. Like I said, I'm still trying to figure this out. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll know th- more I mean, they only week. got four teams, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go all, Glacier Boys, apparently. Yeah, they all play in the same arena. Yeah, they all go play in the same uh, arena. Is, is it Atlanta? Is that where it's at? Uh, somewhere in Atlanta, yeah. Okay. The, we, we talked about what the arena name was last week. I just, mm. at the top of my head. Okay. And then the other, only other thing right now on the upcoming events calendar is the NFL draft, April 29th through May 1st. Wow, we got three months to yeah. two months to wait for that. Assuming that's going to be another uh, virtual draft, but that's fine. It was fine last year. It'll be yep. fine again this year. All right, that's everything that I've got for this week. Yeah, no Anything break, else? No breaking NFL news. Uh, I think we're good. All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also follow The World of Football on Twitter at TWOF Kalamazoo. Then we also have a Facebook page you can go over and like. You can find us at TWOF Kalamazoo there as well. Uh, New episodes of this podcast are posted every single Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation, especially for this new league we got starting up that uh, we all got a cradle in our arms and welcomed into the fold. (laughs) You know, that's our job is to promote different forms of football, but I'm just... I'm just not crazy about this one. It'll just—it just depends on how well the product. I'll have to see it. To... You know, I won't make any judgments yet. I know we've had some other rinky-dink leagues kind of right. come and go, and that right. exist that we just—you can't really find much information on. So you're just like, well, if I can't find information on you, well, why bother? We're not going to bother you. Sure. So at least with the fan control football, they uh, their Twitter feed is pretty active. Um, Do you and... think they'll show highlights on? Uh... At Sports ES- Center, yeah, ESPN Sports Probably Center. Probably not right away. We'll have to see. <laughs> well, if Manziel does, you know, does we'll, real well, we'll see. It's, it's the curiosity. A, factor. It looks like arena football. You know, that's sure. set on a fifty-yard field. Sure. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> I won't I won't go as far as to say you're going to see highlights on ESPN, but if it does enough to make me go, hey, that was kind of fun, <clears> or since they're really relying heavily on the fan interaction side of things, how well is the you know, me helping call plays work, or does it feel like eh, it's just an arbitrary whatever? Like, I don't feel like I'm making that much of a difference that they kind of promised. I mean, whatever. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. All right, and remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody loves more football than we do. Join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in and around the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. And I'm anxiously waiting for some time off. Well, it's going to be a slow time, so we'll see. I'll take yeah, that into consideration. I guess we'll have to see how well the scripts get put together going forward. <laughs> see you all next week.